1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW room void. Were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is
0: sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of IC terms and conditions apply.
2: Steelers fans, This is behind the seal curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you once again on a Thursday morning, but this is not any Thursday morning. This is not your typical Thursday morning. This is a Thursday morning. We've been waiting for, for a long time. No, it's not the hall of fame game last year uh, that we waited for, for a long time. This time it is round one of the 2022 NFL draft coming tonight. My goodness. It's been long enough. It's time. I'm really excited about something. What I'm excited about the most is that, I have to say this, barring a trade out of the first round, the next time I do a podcast, record any podcast of any type, the Pittsburgh Steelers will have a new member from their 2022 draft class. Uh, the, this is great that the next time uh, this is a great time for me to give you a little bit of a rundown on what to expect from behind the steel curtain on the podcast side. Cause if you're listening to this now, chances are you are one to know what's going to be happening in the NFL draft. So here's what's happening with behind the steel curtain. Immediately after the pick, I will do a very short breaking news podcast that will go out on the audio platform, which is where you're listening to this right now. Uh, most likely, unless you've clicked um, on the audio and the article. Uh, but if you're listening to this anywhere, you get podcasts, uh, Apple podcast. Um, what is it? Stitcher? What? I don't even know them all. Uh, Jeff Hartman's l- lists them off, but uh, I- I'm not as cool as Jeff to know all of those. But anywhere you get podcast, if you're listening to this, we will have it out as soon as we're, we're, it, it, we're done recording because I'll get the pick. I'll make sure that's the pick. They'll announce it on the television. I'll hit record. I'll talk a few things about the pick. I will finish it up. I will put it in there and I will publish. So we'll get it out there as soon as you can, as soon as we can. Also, we will be doing some draft analysis on our live shows on YouTube and Facebook live, uh, throughout the draft. We will do it after each pick and we will sum up the day. Now for the first round. Steelers are only scheduled to have one pick. So we'll be summing up the day with by talking about that first round pick. Uh, there won't be two separate shows there, but a lot of content coming there. And make sure you go to behindthesteelcurtain.com, your one stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We will have all kinds of breakdown, all kinds of breakdown. Um, of what's left out there, um, how how that affects the depth chart of the Steelers selections, um, all kinds of various things based on the the selections that the Steelers have. Um, it's going to be a busy few days. It's our busiest weekend of the year at Behind the Steel Curtain, but that's what we're here to do. So... Now it's time to dive into today's topic and just talk a little bit about the drafts. Because I want to say this, I've really been focusing on questions about the drafts lately when, it, when things are coming. Because it doesn't do me any good to save those questions for a later date, because guess what? Next week... Not relevant. If you're listening to this and the draft's happening or the draft's going on and you can think of another question that would be great after the draft, I am ready for more questions. Now I know some people have some questions they still might be waiting for. Some of them were just a little bit too difficult to find. Um if you asked a question, and I didn't answer it, reach out to me again because I'm trying to compile a new list. Things got a little bit hectic and crazy. Um, I don't want anything to be uh forgotten in there, but uh it might be something that I just n- am not able to thoroughly dive into, which one of the things you'll see here today, I was a little disappointed when I went to dive into it, um, being able to break down, for example, I wanted to break down offensive line better into guard, tackle, and center. And I wasn't able to do that as completely as I would like to based on uh, what I was able to do through pro-, pro football reference. I'll explain that a little bit more as we dive into that one. But uh wanted to say if you have a, if you have a question, especially if you're listening to this after the draft, or you know, I'll remind everyone next week and saying, oh, the all oh, the draft's done, I want to know about this. So you can reach me on Twitter at STLR or you can email me at STLR Superfandad at gmail.com. So that's the way uh, where I'm looking for questions. Today's question, it's actually two. It's going to be a short one and a long one, all from the same person. Um, In one email that I got from one Brian Haynes, also known as Captain Underpants, in our live chats. This was his email. He says, there are thousands of players who have been in the league. There are even more who want to. The last pick is nicknamed Mr. Irrelevant, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're useless, right? Are there any Hall of Fame players picked as the last player or as an undrafted player? So I can already answer you when it comes to the undrafted player. I just finished up a series of articles about um, late round draft picks was the first three. It was just supposed to be one article and then it evolved into three based on the time. Cause someone wanted to know, Hey, over the last 20 years, what are some, some of the best late round draft picks? So I went from 2000 to present. Then I went 80 to 99. Then I went from 65 to 79 and I did anybody fifth round or later. I did those. Then I'm like, a lot of people are saying, well, what about the undrafted guys? So then I came back and just did those actually the last one published on Wednesday afternoon. It's one of the, will still be one of the top articles at Behind the Seal Curtain if you're looking at it on Thursday morning. And the picture right there, the number one from 65 to 79, Donnie Shell, Undrafted Hall of Fame. Now, I didn't, dr- I didn't dive into more undrafted Hall of Famers out there. I just didn't do that. Um, because the other part of this question, my goodness, it took me, I will say it took me hours to compile the data, uh, for when I get to the second, the, the, the second question. But when it comes to the Mr. Irrelevant, uh, the, some of the most notable players, I will, I'll give you one of the most notable players now because they're still in the league. But in 2009, the Kansas city chiefs had the last pick in the draft and they picked kicker Ryan Suckup who is still playing in the NFL, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure he was with Tennessee, um, was, was, was the last I remember. But uh, I didn't look too much into him. But the player who um, is believed to be maybe the most successful Mr. Irrelevant was because it was someone who actually made the all-rookie team that year the year they were selected as the last pick. That's pretty interesting to make the all-rookie team um, when you're the last pick of the draft. And what do you know? That pick was in 1980 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's correct. In the very the very last selection that they had in the draft, they drafted one Tyrone McGriff out of Florida A&M, a guard who ended up starting 10 games his rookie season in 1980 and made the all-rookie team. Now he only lasted three seasons in Pittsburgh, um, didn't start any games beyond his rookie season, and ended up um going to the USFL um and actually won a championship there. So that's someone who was who was believed to possibly be the best Mr. Irrelevant, especially right out of the bat. But the Steelers have had since they began Naming that the, the pick Mr. Irrelevant that started in 1976, which actually started with the Pittsburgh Steelers had the last pick because this was before the whole era of the compensatory draft picks. Because it's not always the team that won the Super Bowl that ends up having the last pick of the draft because of all the compensatory draft picks. But the Steelers, um, in 1976, it was a uh, Kelvin Kirk wide receiver from Dayton, was a was Mr. Irrelevant that was number. Um uh that was in 17 rounds. Woo! Okay, 480 pick number 487. Man, yeah, that's that's a lot of picks. They also had it again um in 1979. That was Mike Almond, a wide receiver from Northwestern State that they picked at pick number three thirty. and then the next year in 1981, I already mentioned it. That's has been the only times that the Steelers have had uh picks where they had Mr. Irrelevant, because even when the Steelers won the Super Bowl in 2005, the next year in 2006, they didn't have the last pick because of uh, compensatory picks and things of that nature. So that answers that question. Now let's get to the really big, deep. It's funny because I might be able to, to, to give you the information fast, but gathering it was slow. I will tell you that. Okay, And this was another quick question. This was the quick question, according to Brian. Uh, and it was anything but quick to figure it out. He says, per round, what is the most picked position? All right. Well, I went per round, the most picked position. That's kind of almost not fair because, you know, are you breaking it down to offensive line? Or are you going center guard tackle? What about on the defensive side? Are you going defensive back? Or are you saying corner and safety? It really depends on how you split it up. It really does. And how I ended up splitting it up had an awful lot to do, well, pretty much everything to do with pro football reference and the way that I could sort draft picks there. There was a problem though. And, and this is where it comes in. I already mentioned this a little bit earlier, but let me explain the problem and let me explain the process. And then I'll really start to give you some numbers. The problem was especially on defense, how they list their players and in, in their position. Um, I already used the offense as an example, like, like tackle, guard, center. If you're looking at, um, at, at round one, now, disclaimer, this is, what I, this is what I thought. Well, I could go back really, really far. But how far back do I go to get a good picture of the modern M- NFL? I went back 10 years. That's what I did. I did 10 years worth of drafts over the last 10 years. So, starting with the 2012 draft, going through the 2021 draft, I looked at every pick in each round um, and classified them. And I had to go by pro football reference classification of their position. And they specifically spell it out as the position the player was listed when they were drafted. Now that could change. Um, for example, like Mark Barron was drafted as a safety. He became a linebacker. Here's one that's interesting. How about Jalen Samuels drafted by the Steelers drafted, technically listed as a tight end is how he was drafted because he was kind of a player without a position. So I didn't break all those down because I didn't, I couldn't go in player by player and break those down. But when you looked at, at the first round from 2012 to 2021, and I looked at the offensive line, I broke it down and it was like, okay, I looked at all the tackles, I looked at all the guards, I looked at all the centers. Then I'm like, oh, let me just double check and look at all the offensive linemen because those three numbers should total what I get for the offensive linemen. Nope, didn't happen. Set off a red flag. There's actually five players listed that were just simply listed as offensive linemen. So it was a little, and honest, I think all all five of them were from 2021. Like I went in and looked, and I think four of them were tackles, and one was a multi position player. Um, I don't like Vera Tucker. I don't remember um, exactly where he played as a rookie, but I I don't think they, they classified them anything different. I'm like, Oh, well, that's no big deal. If it's just five, that won't throw off the numbers that much. Oh, well for round two, it was seven. By the time it was round three, there was 13 players listed just as an offensive lineman. I mean, it calmed back down a little bit. Round four, there was six round five. There was seven, uh, round round six. Uh, how about 17? 17 players that were just listed as offensive linemen, and 15 around seven. So I'm like, I can break these down a little bit, but really it's not going to give the best data because it's going to be missing a small portion, and I don't know exactly how they were in there. So for a lot of this, I had a group offensive line together. That was the easy one. The tough one's when it comes to the defense because the way you can filter these things is by defensive tackle which they include nose tackle with defensive tackle. That makes sense. But what about defensive end? Is defensive end, is that more of an outside linebacker or is that a defensive end? Depends on the 3-4 or 4-3. Depends on what they played in college. It might not even be what they play in the pros. I mean, Stephon Tewitt was a defensive end, so but that would be defensive lineman. So what I then did was they have 3 subcategories of they have because cuz you could do defensive tackle, defensive end, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, cornerback and safety. Those were the six different things on defense. But then you had this had had the total categories where they basically looked at the three levels. They had defensive line as a whole, which that was that included the tackles and the ends. Then they had linebackers as a whole, which included both the inside and outside. That's where it gets tricky, but I just, I have to go with the data that I had. And then they had defensive backs, um, which was corners and safeties. Now, what's crazy is the linebackers was insane. They hardly had any players listed as an inside linebacker or outside linebacker. They had most of them listed as linebacker. So when I try to split them up, let's for example, in round one, they said in the last 10 years, there's been four inside linebackers and 10 outside linebackers drafted in the first round of the last 10 years. It's so like, well, that doesn't seem quite right. But they had an additional 25 players that were listed simply as a linebacker. So it is what it is. Um, that, you know, and then you got players like TJ Watt, outside linebacker. Miles Garrett, defensive end, I I could only do what I could do. So I'm, I'm giving the big disclaimer before I dive into the numbers. And then even when it comes to like corners and safeties, there was 24 corners drafted in round one in the last 10 years, 11 safeties, but an additional 26 defensive backs that were just called defensive backs and not one or the other for a total of 61. So it's like, Wow that's kind of crazy. So for those positions, I had to group them together. I didn't have any other choice. So that's the way I did it. I did look a little bit at the offensive line at the end just to see kind of how it broke down. But let me explain to you what I did. We'll take a break and then I'll run through the numbers. I went through and I listed the number of players drafted at that position according to pro football reference. And all my numbers added up. I had to make sure. You know, I did offense, defense, I did special teams. I put, you know, punter, kicker, long snapper all together. Um, It's funny because they don't filter long snapper at all. So I had to go in and find them individually. That was fun. Um, And then I totaled up the offense, totaled up the defense for a total number of picks. Just to let you know then, what I thought was fair is not every round has the same number of picks. For example, round one, there was 319. You know, you'd think it should be 320, but I'm pretty sure someone in there lost a first round pick. I couldn't remember who. Um, there was 317 in round two. But then when you get to round three and on, that's when you're talking about compensatory picks. It was like 373, 383, 367. The the round that's had the most picks over the last 10 years is round six with 399. And then round seven with 391. So because there was, obviously you could say, oh, well, there was the same number of, I don't know, I'm going to make it up, running backs drafted in round two as there was in round six. Well, guess what? If there's more draft picks in -hmm. round six, then round two actually had more because I did them as percentages. So I'm going to look at these percentages. And I know the original question was asking about what position um, was most picked per round per round, what is the most picked position? The way I did it was I looked at it by position to figure out which one was picked most by round. I kind of did it the other way around because the data actually made more sense that way. So I'm going to go through and like, I'll tell you, okay, quarterbacks are, are drafted in this round much more than the others. And I, and I ranked them, I did percentage and I, I put them in, put them in order. So that's what we're going to go through. As soon as we get back, we're going to take a quick break, come back, see what kind of positions are taken in what round. And it might give you a better idea of what the Steelers may or may not be thinking going into this draft. So stick around. We'll it. Steelers fans, I hope you're still excited that the NFL draft starts today. Uh, I still can't get over it. I can't believe it's here. Um, I've talked a lot about stuff with, with myself in the draft. I don't like to fall in love with players because then they end up with a different team. So many people are like, oh, I want this player so bad. I've, prime example. A lot of Steelers fans really want Jordan Davis, uh, nose tackle out of Georgia, or I guess guess you could say defensive tackle. Some people don't because they don't think he's an every-down player. This is the other thing. You know where I've seen him mocked the most? I've seen him mocked the most of the Baltimore Ravens. And that that might not be the case, but that's just what stands out to me when I looked at, at the various mocks. And I'm like, why in the world would I be like, this is the guy the Steelers need oh, I want to, oh, you know, and fall in love with a player only to see him have to put on that putrid purple. I've said that so many times. So that's kind of how I am. I, that's why I'm so excited about the draft is because I finally want to know who it is. And I think this draft might be one of the most unpredictable in a long time. You don't know who's going number one. You don't know if quarterbacks are going high, low, or at all. You really don't. Um, part of the reason it's exciting is because a number of people have said it's not a very good draft. It's just not a good draft. So I know some people want the Steelers to move up because, you know, to get something, but if it's not a, if it's not a good draft is moving up great. Or if it's not a good draft, is it better to just not have as many picks, but use those picks to move up and maybe get one of the best players available. There's also rumblings that a lot of teams are wanting to move down a lot of steelers fans want them to move down if everybody's wanting to move down you're not going to get much for moving down I, i've I, I said it before um with some with some stuff going on on the website there was some mock drafts where they had people were trade were having the steelers trade back, trade their first round pick moving back one pick at a time and picking up one or two extra picks every time they were doing it and they did it like three straight times like oh they moved from 20 to 24 but they did it three times so they ended up with five more picks Teams aren't going to do that. I mean, I, to me, why waste your time? Why waste your time on something that teams aren't going to do? Do you really see the Pittsburgh Steelers trading from twenty to twenty-one to twenty-one to twenty-two, from twenty-two to twenty-three, and twenty-three to twenty-four, and say, "Oh, we got five more picks"? If it's not a very good draft, why do you need five more picks? Okay, that's one and two. Why would the, why would teams give up stuff to move up one spot constantly? It's, it's, it's never happened like that before. As far as I know, and I don't, where a team just keeps trading that they're picked back one at a time and gaining stuff. So I don't even know why people would waste their time thinking that that would happen. I mean, if it's fun, if you're just doing it for fun, just to see what it is great. But remember the whole point of a mock draft is supposed to be to have an idea of what's actually supposed to happen. And that's why the mocks are never right, because it's never what happens. So I want to know the real thing. So uh, that, that's that's what I'd like to see. But um, uh, but, but my, the, my ultimate point with that was, if the Steelers are going to tra- ultimately trade back, if the market is that everyone wants to trade back, the market dictates what you get, not the, eva- not, not the value chart. The market will dictate it, not the chart. That's just how it works. Let's dive into these numbers. I already set them up in the first half. If you, if I don't know, if somehow you fast forwarded by mistake. Go back and see what we're, what we're talking about here because it would take me a long time to explain it again and we got to get through them. So this is what I did in breaking it down by position. Okay. Let's just go, I'm going to go down, straight down through round one and tell you what percentage of the picks for each position. First, I'm just going to do that probably only with round one. Then from that point on, I'm just going to tell you by position. Okay. Quarterbacks make up 10.3% of the picks in round one over the last 10 years. Running backs, only 4.7%. Big shocker there. Wide receivers, 12.5%. So more wide receivers and quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. Tight ends, 2.8%. That's the lowest of everything. Even if I split up other things, other than maybe saying, oh, inside linebackers. But I mean, my goodness, 25 of them are just linebackers. I don't know which one they'd be, so I can't really do that. But that's that's the lowest of everything. Offensive line was 18.2%. So if you look at it on offense, it goes offensive line, wide receiver, quarterback, are the most popular picks in the first round, in that order. On defense, it goes defensive line at 20%. Linebackers at 12.2% and defensive backs at 19.1%. So really it's defensive line, defensive backs, linebackers on defense. And if you look overall, it goes defensive line, defensive backs, offensive line. That's your first three positions that you get in the first round over the last 10 years. And there were no special teamers picked in the first round in the last 10 years. Years. So, based on those numbers, just to kind of throw them out there, one thing that I do want to say is in the first round, over the last 10 years, more defense than offense. That's first observation. 164 defenders to 155 offensive players for a total of 319. Round two, pretty similar. It's 155 offensive players again, 161 defensive players. Round three, you know, you get more players, but it's the same deal. Um, it's 178 to 194, 194. Oh, and, and there's a special team in right there. The There are only two rounds, two rounds over the last 10 years where there are more offensive players that have gone than defensive players. Those rounds are in round four and in round six. Round four, it's 197 offense to 185 defense. Round six is 200 offense to 186 defense. But what's crazy is the the one in between saw a big shift. Round five, offense drops all the way down to 156, almost as low as round one and round two, even though there's almost 50 more picks in round five. Okay, because defense is 195. All right. And then um, in in round seven, they're a little bit more even. So I find it interesting. It's like first three rounds, more defense, more defense, more defense. Round four, ooh, shift to offense. Round five, big overcorrect back to defense. And then round six, back to offense. And then round seven, pretty back to to, uh, mostly even, but a little bit more defense. So that's how it falls out when it comes overall. So I went through and told you those numbers. Now let's look at them positionally by round because I don't know if we just go by round if that's really going to tell you anything I think it really what really answers the question is seeing how much it fluctuates from round to round the first one started with quarterback I'm going to tell you that what most of you probably already know is that first round by far is where the most quarterbacks go all right their their top round is round 1 and that's 10.3% in round 2 they drop to of the draft is quarterbacks round three. It goes up to 3.5 round four grows up more to 4.7 round five drops all the way back to 2.5 round six is 4.3 and round seven is 4.1 all those percentages. So if you look at it, the top, the top rounds for quarterbacks is round one round four and round six. But but to go from round one at 10.3 to round four at 4.7, I mean, come on, it's it's cut more in half. That is the most dramatic difference of any position, and you're probably not surprised by that one bit. So quarterback, it's all about the first round um, over the last 10 years. Running back, first round goes 4.7, then it sees the jump to 8.2 in round two, 7.5 in round three, 11.2 in round four, 8.2 in round five. 11.3 in round six, and 10.2 in round seven. So for running back, most running backs are taken in the sixth round, or not the minimum. I mean, you could go pure numbers, but I'm saying the highest percentage of running backs are taken are taken in the sixth round, and very closely behind is round four at 11.3 to 11.2, and then followed by round, round seven at 10.2. And the worst by far is the first round, kind of what we would expect a little bit. Then wide receiver. They're at 12.5 in round one, as I said, they jump up to 15.1 in round two, then down to 11.3 in round three, 12.5 in round four, 11.4 in round five, 13.5 in round six, and 12.8 in round seven. So for wide receivers, the number one round where they're drafted the most percentage wise is round two, followed by round six and round seven. And then slightly behind that would be tied at at round one and round four, you know, as the middle of the pack from there. But uh, that's a pretty significant jump in round two. Wide receiver, very popular for round two. Tight end, 2.8 in the first round, 5.7 in the second round, you know, so that that more than doubled, 7.0 in the third round, 6.0 in the fourth, 5.7 in the fifth, 4.5 in the sixth, and 5.6 in the seventh round. So the top round there is round three with 7%. It goes round three. Then it goes round four at 6%. And then there's a tie at both round two and round five at 5.7. So tight ends are mainly taken in that chunk in the middle of the draft. It it picks up in round two, big jump in round three, little fall off to round four, and then right back um, in round five to about where they were in round two. So that's how the tight ends go. Offensive line. Here we go. 18.2 in the first, 17.0 in the second, 18.5 in the third, 17.0 in the fourth, 14.7 in the fifth, 16.5 in the sixth, and 14.1% in the seventh, which means for offensive line, their top round is round three, followed closely by round one. Then there's a tie at two and four. So offensive line, they are taking, that's taken more in, in rounds one through four. You know, it's round three, the most round one, the second, second most rounds two and four tied for the third most. That's what they, what they do. Now, if you break that down by position, now I can only go by the ones, by the players that they actually listed them as tackle guard or center, but I'll go ahead and give you what I have knowing that there's other offensive linemen that weren't classified as one or the other. The top round for tackles by far is round one. Like 34 tackles went in round one over the last 10 years, which drops to 26 in round two. And round three also have 26. Okay. But, and then it's down to 19 and 20. But I mean, by far, it's round one for the tackles. For guard, they have the most in round three, followed by round four and five. Three, four, and five is like the, it's not the most around three, but three, four, and five are the hot spot. Three, four, and five are the hot spot for guards. Okay? Centers, it's three and four. So that's why when you look at offensive line, round three had the most because that's your most for your guards and centers. But then round one was the second most because you get a lot of tackles in round one. Just thought I'd break that down. So that was the offensive positions. Let's move to the defensive positions. Um, Defensive line. Uh, first round um, they're taken in 20% of the time drops to 15.8 in round two up to 20.4 in round three, 16.4 in round four, 16.6 in round five, 13.8 in round six, and then 18.7 in round seven. So there's a pretty big drop off there in round six, you know, but then it comes back up to take some flyers in round seven. Um, But the number one, by by a small margin, is that you get the most defensive linemen in round three or the highest percentage, followed closely by round one. So a lot of defensive linemen in round three, round one, and then the next most is round seven. So it's either okay, you've got a guy that you think you can hold on and, and wait and get in round three. You better snag him in round one, or players you take a flyer on at the end of the draft. Linebackers. Now remember, I mean, I, I gave you some of the numbers. I mean, for example, Let's look at just at round four. They had seven inside linebackers listed, nine outside linebackers listed, and 29 players listed as just a linebacker. So as you can see, I could not break those numbers down up to anything else other than linebackers. But linebackers go 12.2 in the first, 12.9 in the second, 11.8 in the third, 11.7 in the fourth, 15.5 in the fifth, 11.3 in the sixth, and 13.0 in the seventh. If you look at that, it's They're really solid between, you know, and from 11 to 13 throughout the whole draft, with the exception of the fifth round. Fifth round linebackers seem to be popular at 15.5. So that's what they went. It was most in the fifth, second most in the seventh, third most in the second round. And defensive backs... Um, they were 19.1 in the first round, 22.1 in the second round, 19.8 in the third, 20.1 in the fourth, 21.0 in the fifth, 21.6 in the sixth, and 17.9 in the seventh. So defensive backs, the highest percentage of them all was the second round. But then it really jumped up in round six and then in round five. So that's how they – they fall. But if you think about it, round seven is a little bit low at 17.9. If you throw that one out, the defensive backs are from 19.1 in round one up to 22.1 in round two. That's the range. So in other words, they're pretty evenly spread out. The one, like I said, the one that's, that's, that's the most dynamic is from a, from a, Really big one round and then a fall off for everything is quarterbacks with round one. If you want to talk about ones that are really low and then get really big in other places, running back and tight end are the ones there. When you look at the defense, they're spread out a little bit more even throughout the rounds. So I went through and just kind of did a little bit of a chart with it. Quarterbacks were the ones that were the main ones in round one. Um, where it was their highest out of all their other ones. The other positions that their highest percentage was in round two were, were wide receivers and defensive backs. The position groups that had the most players taken in round three were tight ends, offensive linemen, and defensive linemen. No one was in round four. It's kind of split out a little bit, but round four was like the was like the second best number for multiple positions. Then round five, that's where the linebackers were shown the most. And round six was running backs. And then round seven is one of those where it was spread out a little bit more. Um, Just to throw out the special teamers, there was one player taking, there was none in round one over the last 10 years, one in round two, one in round three, one in round four. Round five is where you got the big jump. There were 15. And that was 4.4%. That was their biggest by far. Well, oh, when I said 50, sorry, 15 kickers and punters, one long snapper. So 16 total. Sorry. Um, then there was 13 in round six. That's your eight kickers and punters and five long snappers. That was a big one there. And then in round seven, it was 12, 12 kickers or punters and two long snappers. So rounds five, six, and seven is where you get your special teamers. So uh, hopefully that data made sense. I don't really know what else to make of this. But, uh, and notice this doesn't even talk about the success of the players, but if you just wanted to know about where most, most of these positions are taken, that's the numbers quarterbacks are round one guys. That's why, even though a lot of people don't even have, you know, I saw one ranking of just ranking all the players. The top quarterback was number 29 that they did. They barely had one quarterback in the first round. But yet you're going to get quarterbacks go in that first round because that's the nature of that position. You could have running backs that were better players, but they're going to go in round two based on the, the position. Same with tight end. Uh, um, that's just kind of how it goes. So to me, the big positions that you could get, you know, you sometimes get runs on or things like that, you know, it goes offensive line, wide receiver, and quarterback for offense. And then on, on defense, it's it's – it's kind of spread out, but it's really more either you want the defensive front or the defensive back end. Um, but they, it wasn't huge disparities on defense where offense you saw much more disparity. So hopefully, um, my, my several hours of, of compiling all that data worked out all right for you for a 35 minute podcast, but, uh, hopefully I somewhat answered the question. I'm, I want this question answered. It is my time to ask you all a question. Um, but you don't really have the answer. But but uh, you can ask the same question as me. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be the Steelers' first selection in the draft? Is it going to be at, at pick number 20? Is it going to be before that? Is it going to be after that? Well, who's it going to be? What's it going to be? How's it going to all play out? I I've, I'm going into this draft thinking I kind of want to see a bit of chaos. I really do. I haven't decided if I want to see a ton of quarterbacks go or no quarterbacks go before the Steelers. I want one of those two things. Honestly, I want one of those two things. I either want, I either want four or five of them to go before the Steelers pick or none of them to go before the Steelers pick. I, the, the worst if it's one or two. That's To me, that's the worst. Um, just to, if the Steelers are going to go that route. And I've said it many times before. I said on the Scobro show on Tuesday night. There are a lot of people that are like, well, the Steelers have put up, put in so much time and research into the quarterback position to not take one. To me, pfft, baloney. Yeah, they have. You know what? They're going to have to continue to put time and effort into the quarterback position every draft, even if they take one in the first round this year. Unless that quarterback comes out and ends up starting – eventually, and ends up being a phenom like a Ben Roethlisberger uh, was as a rookie, you're still going to have to look next year. You're still going to have to do it. it. It's how it goes. It's simply how it goes. Because just throwing it out there as a random example, if the Steelers were to draft Malik Willis as a quarterback, there are so many people that are saying he really needs to sit for a year. Okay, that could be great that he sits for a year. But are you 100% sure next year going into the draft that that he's not going to be the answer so much so that you're not going to look into those quarterbacks at all? You're going to have to look into them. You're, I mean, unless the best possible scenario for that player plays out, more than likely, you're still going to have to look next year too. So to think, oh, well, you better take it this year because you did all that research, it's not going to necessarily keep you from having to do the research next year. So. Uh, to, to do it for that reason is completely the wrong reason, completely the wrong reason. The Steelers need to find themselves a playmaker. They need to find themselves a playmaker. That's going to make a difference on this team, whether it be in 2022 or 2023 and beyond, they have to make that decision, get your playmaker I don't really care what position it is. Get somebody good. That's what I want. So there we go. I kind of going off of my little rant. It was almost like my own version of the heart to heart. Make sure that you're uh, checking all, all our podcasts. Look for those breaking news podcasts with the picks on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon. Make sure you're checking us out on YouTube and Facebook live. If, if you're able to do that with those live shows, lots of content, make sure you're checking out behind the You've got to do it. There, there, there's some really great stuff there. And as I always have to say to finish out, thanks for geeking out with me. We'll see you next Thursday when we know who all the picks will be. by the
0: Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
0: The American Lung Association's Lung Helpline has an adult asthma self-management program, which helps people understand and seek treatment for their asthma. Lung health navigators help people understand their asthma, practice effective communication with health care providers, and modify lifestyles to prevent symptoms. This is the only program available proving results in less severe asthma, fewer respiratory problems, and a better ability to stick to treatment plans. Enroll. Call 866-252-2959. Weekdays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time.